Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Pleasant City Church again. We're glad you've chosen to gather with us this morning. Uh, as you can tell, we're going to be looking at Psalm chapter 1 this morning. Psalm chapter 1. You're welcome to turn there if you'd like. Uh, this summer, our series will be Summer in the Songs. Summer in the Psalms. So, uh, Pretty much, if you come here on a Sunday morning, you'll hear a message from one of the chapters. Of course, uh, you probably know this, but Psalm is uh, full of 150, so we probably won't cover all 150 this summer. Uh, but you're welcome to study as we go through these, and uh, we'll jump around from time to time. But this morning, we're going to be in chapter 1, Psalm chapter 1. Uh, what's cool about Psalms uh, is that they're very much heartfelt by the author of that psalm. I mean, you, you hear their emotions, you, you, you sense where they're at and what season they're in, if, if they're joyful, if they're sad, and uh, that's what's cool about it. You just have transparency in the authorship of these psalms. Um, in fact, if you uh, have been a follower of Christ for any length of time, you could probably come up with a, uh, a favorite song that you like from the book of Psalms, maybe Psalm 23, one if you went to Sunday school as a kid, you probably memorized that. Uh, I enjoy Psalm 37 where it talks about delighting ourselves in the Lord and He'll give you the desires of your heart. Uh, psalm 90, Moses wrote that psalm and we see uh, him reflecting on life and the, the brevity of life. But you probably have your favorite psalm this morning and that's a good thing. Um, but, but what's cool is that psalm book is, is a poetical book. In fact, there's, there's five that we, we see in Scripture, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. We know them as, as poetical books. They're, they're books of poetry. You know, up until then, uh, they're, they're historical books uh, up to Job, and then poetry, and then you cover the prophets, the major prophets, the minor prophets, and then you get into the New Testament. But, the, but these are, are, are songs of, of, of poetry, and, and, and what we're doing, we're actually reading the, the hymn book of the Israelite people. So, so these, this is actually their hymn book, and, and uh, we don't have the, uh, we have the words, but I guess we don't have the, uh, the, the it, it'd be the melody, I guess. Uh, we don't have that. God let us figure that out ourselves, so that's why we have different music styles. But uh, in Psalm 1, if, you, if you've turned there, we're going to be looking at, at, at what the writer uh, was feeling. And, and he talks about two types of people here in Psalm 1. I'd like to read it to us. Psalm 1, blessed is the man who's wa who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of, scornful, of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And then it says this about that, that, that person. It says, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings its fruit in, the, in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. And then it talks about the other type of person in verse 4. The ungodly are not so. They are like the shaft which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. And then verse 6 says, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. As we look at this blessed person, this, this happy person, we see that their roots are built on the truths of God's Word. 
Some use the word blameless for this word blessed, this, this word uh, here in verse 1. And, and that idea of blameless is, is, is a person that, that, that nothing's in their life that can be called into question. They're, they're people of, uh, of integrity. And of course, God wants us to be that person. So when you're happy, when you're blessed, when you're blameless, you're, you're rooted in these truths. And here's your introduction. A Christ follower is truly content when he honors the God of the Word by meditating and walking in the light of God's Word. They avoid ungodly fellowship, ungodly counsel, ungodly goals, and ungodly conduct. So as we Look at these two types of people here in these six verses. Consider with me this, this faithful person, this, this godly person, this, this blessed person. And of course, we meet this person in verses 1 through 3, um, the happy person. Now, often my life is based on outer circumstances. That's what brings me joy. If I'm Beating Brian Glisson in golf, I'm happy. If I'm getting uh, good food, I'm happy. In fact, people love happy hour. I don't recommend it, but people go to happy hour often. Um, now, Dairy Queen has a good happy hour between the hours of 2 and 4, and you can get drinks there, and those probably won't affect you too much unless you go there too often. But, but, but we, the world is looking for happiness, but genuine happiness is this, an internal calm and bliss that takes up the life of a believer when everything is right between them and the Lord and between them and other people. This person has guarded their relationship so closely with the Lord that, that they're right with the Lord. They have a, 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 a vertical relationship with the Lord that, that allows them to, to have a genuine joy. And, and what's cool about this person is they impact people. And, and, and there's a few people God's put in my life that are, are godly people. And, and those people are just a joy to be around. Sometimes it's uncomfortable because they are pointing out things not on purpose, just by how they live their life and I live my life. And, and, but, but the blamelessness in their life in this godly person is just uh, a, a refreshing desire. Strength, satisfaction, and stability are the result of this person's life. Now, as we look at this person, let's just look at it real closely and see the path that this person's on. The, the godly person's path, and of course we see that in verse 1. They, they, they do not stand in the path of sinners, the Bible says, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. You know, again, they're, they're separated by how they, they live. They're, 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 their walk is, is paved out. It's not a pun, but it makes sense. They, they have a walk that is just walking closely with the Lord, and everything in their life just lines up with the, what the Lord's... Uh, showing them and telling them what to do. And I have some references here that I'd like to uh, just throw at us this morning just to be reminded of 
what keeps us on that path. And the first one's found in Galatians. Notice Galatians 5, verse, verse 16. It says this, and then notice verse 25. It says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And again, walking closer to the Lord with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit's active in your life, and you're living out God's truth. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, notice what it says here. It says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to, here it is, walk worthy of the calling which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. Do you see that there? The, the walk of this person, the walk of a believer, the, the blameless life, the happy life, the, the holy life is, is one who is, is walking worthy and there's a humility in their life. There's a, there's a gentleness in how they respond in their communication. And then one more in Ephesians 5, it says this, see then that you walk circumspectly. That's another word for walking carefully. Not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And don't be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. And again, that idea of being filled with the Spirit is very important for the life of the believer. See, when we're born, we're born sinners. We're born a life of blamelessness. or blame, We're a life of blame. A life of, of, of sin. We're just born with that. But when you get saved, if you, if you trust the Lord as your Savior, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your life. And you have the opportunity to yield to the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you. I like one commentator's thought on this idea of being filled with the Spirit. He said this, living in the conscious presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, letting his mind through the word dominate everything that is thought and done. The spirit-filled life is a life that is just dominated. He, he or she oozes what God wants them to do. And again, they're on the right path. Their, their, their path is, is a path that is Psalm uh, 23, um, where it says, As we walk through the valley of shadow of death, we'll fear no evil. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort us. And see, the Psalms just give us so much about how that walk needs to look. And this person, again, as, as I challenge us with this, and as, as I challenge us to be on that path, you know, you just want to be around them. You, you want to get some of that that they have. I, I know uh, I was blessed with a, a couple of wonderful in-laws. Uh, my, my wife's mom died about a year ago. Her dad is now in a season where he's, he, he's just, his mind is gone. But, but I'll tell you, going to their house was a refuge. It was a place of, of just comfort. And, and really, you know, you just, you hear all these things about in-laws and that type of thing, but my in-laws were nothing like that. They were just a, a couple that just, uh, they edified, they built up, they encouraged, they, they prayed, they, 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 they were ones who just really built into your life. You just love being around them. And boy, you know, what a neat tribute when I think of them, and what an opportunity for us as we walk the path that, that people want to walk with us. When we're on that path, you know, we—I I knew them since 1984, 
actually 1980. I got married in 1984. Um, it, but, but I never remember a time where they'd sit around and just chirp about everything. Chirp about the music being too loud, or uh, chirp about, you know, the weather, or chirp about just uh, the sermon being too long, that type of thing. They are just really, they just lived out Christ. And boy, if we could just grasp that, it's because, and it's important that we do that and live that because it keeps us on the right path, and it helps us model what Jesus wants us to be. So that's that godly person. They're on the right path. Notice also, they don't seek counsel from the ungodly. They don't seek counsel from the ungodly. Um, and and we got to be careful with this. You know, picture this with me. There's a Christian, follow Christ. They become an, uh, involved in a car accident, which was clearly their fault. And considerable damage is done to the other car. Well, the police officer writes a citation, hands him a summons, and, and he's to appear in court. The man consults a lawyer who is none too scrupulous and who goes over the citation carefully and finds a clerical error. And he goes in to cross-examine the police officer. And he says, where did the accident happen, officer? And, and you made this uh, safe citation? He says, yes, sir, this is where it happened. And, and, and then he says, what is the date of the citation, officer? And he says, April 24th. And the time was 5.30. Stay with me. The lawyer turns to the judge, and he says, Your Honor, according to the, his, this police officer, my client is supposed to have been involved in this accident on April 24th. Well, here's proof that my client was not even in town on April 24th. He was not even in the state on April 24th. So, of course, the judge does what he's supposed to do. He says, case dismissed. And the man whose fault it was in the accident gets off on a technicality. He's guilty. The police officer knows he's guilty. The injured party knows he's guilty. However, because he listened to the counsel of the ungodly, in this case, it paid off. Now, some would say, boy, that's just good. That's, that's why you get lawyers. Well... That's between you and the Lord, but I will say, how do you think that person, again, who we said was a follower of Christ, did when it came to trying to win over the police officer? How do you think he did when he came to try to win over the person whose car he uh, messed up? We, we got to be careful that we don't let ungodly counsel take place in our life till we, we let it become a lifestyle. Godly counsel is better. And again, it's not popular often. Uh, hey, no one wants to pay a, uh, <laughs> uh, for someone else's car when it's your fault. But you know what? That's why you got insurance, right? Uh, and it's important that we're careful as we live out Jesus. Um, you know, this ungodly, it, it, the idea of it here is it, it means you're out of bounds, you're, you're, you're out of the right groove. And, uh, you know, this is just that person who habitually goes down the wrong path. They, there's no eternal values in this person's life. They, they, their thoughts, their ambitions are, are all on, on worthy things. And, it, and it's very important that we're, we're careful in listening to ungodly counsel. You know, I had the opportunity to be in Florida um, 
Two weeks ago, my, my daughter had a, a little boy, her third little boy, Daniel. He's cute as can be. He's five weeks old. Uh, but, when, you know, they, my, 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 my son-in-law and daughter, they've been getting hit with a lot of stuff. You know, she fell last week and broke her elbow and uh, her fracture elbow. Thankfully, she doesn't need surgery. So my wife's in Florida again. Uh, Brian Glisson said to me last week, she, he goes, are you still married? <laughs> I said, well, yeah. I said, the good thing about it, when she's in Florida, she spends less money. And uh, so <laughs> I just sent her to Florida when we want to get ahead in our money. Um, not really. Uh, I miss her. She's coming back Wednesday. But I say that because we're down in Florida, you know, that my daughter fell, she broke her elbow, and uh, also their septic tank went out. And, uh, you know, that was uh, a mess. But, but, you know, it was interesting. The fella comes and checks out the septic tank. Now, I'm a city boy. I don't even know what a septic tank is. But the, after, when they took the lid off, I realized what it is. Um, <laughs> so uh, that's definitely ungodly. So, so, <laughs> so, so the, the, uh, uh, the guy comes and says, hey, this is going to be about 18 grand. He goes, but you know what? Me and my buddy, we, we, we put in septic tanks. And, and he said, I can do it for half. You know, he was working around his boss, so to speak. He said, the only problem is we, we wouldn't be able to uh, pull a permit. And, of course, thankfully, my, my son-in-law and daughter decided to not go that route because it was ungodly counsel. It wasn't the right thing, you see. And uh, I, I say that because, you know, be careful with those that are shady. And as you teens say, I guess you say sketchy. You know, don't be sketchy. Be, be, be on guard that you don't allow ungodly counsel to be a part of your life. Now, stay with me on this godly person. Again, we're, 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 our goal is this person. The godly person associates with the Word of God. The, God, ungod, the godly person associates with the Word of God. I mean, the Word of God is just oozing out of this person. His delight is in the law of the Lord. This person has let God's Word capture them. They're, they're captivated by the Word of God. Um, you know, that's that idea of, of meditation. You know, um, day and night, you know, I take that to mean very often. I mean, it's a delight to them that, they, that the Word of God is part of their life. You know, it's interesting. Several years ago, our church took a team to Romania. And Romania is definitely, parts of it are very, very primitive. And we had the opportunity to go uh, uh, to the villages where it's real poor and there's just not a, it's just very uh, power and all those things. Everything, they heat was with, uh, with wood and everything. But we were there in November. And I remember we, you guys actually bought a, several hundred Bibles for us to distribute in Romania. And I remember we went to this, this, this one lady, a dear old lady, in her home, and uh, she was uh, cooking on her stove there with, with, uh, with uh, you know, firewood, and, and, and we gave her a Bible. And she took that Bible, and she kissed it, because it was so precious to her. She had never had a copy of God's Word. And of course, we probably have three, four, five, seven in our Bible, in our homes. Uh, but you know, to her, God's Word was just so precious to her. You know, I have a, a Bible here, and uh, this was my dad's Bible. When he died, I asked my mom if I could have his Bible. Now, if you know, uh, back in the 70s and early 80s, if you had a Schofield Bible, you had the Cadillac of Bibles. Well, I got a Schofield here. 
Um, and uh, I remember, uh, you know, asking for this, you know, and I wanted to get to know my dad better. I see what he had underlined. I see what he wrote in the margins of, of the Bible. And, uh, you know, this is precious to me. Now, of course, I don't think we should worship the Bible. I think we need to worship the God of the Bible. I think sometimes people get caught up in translations and that type of thing. But, but God's Word needs to be so preeminent in our life that uh, it, it just oozes out of us. And I, I, I'm just thankful for, that I have his Bible. In fact, I asked for his Bible and his binoculars. I knew I was going to be a preacher. See, I'm alliterating already. Bible and binoculars. But I got the binoculars still, and I didn't bring those this morning, but I did bring his Bible. But, but I say that because it's, it's precious to, to have his copy of God's Word. God's Word. God's Word impacts us, and it gives us hope to live. So just a real quick point before we move on to the next one, and that's this. This method helps us as we read God's Word. This method. First of all, as we read God's Word, do you see a sin there that you need to avoid? As you read God's Word, is there a promise for you to claim? As you read God's Word, is there a command for me to obey? And then the last thought is, is there a blessing to enjoy? Some things to think about as you study God's Word. Now, the last point under this is the godly person attains a productive life. A productive life. In fact, it says this, they'll be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. You know, it's cool that the, 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 the writer of Psalms just points out this word picture here, and he talks about a tree, a tree that's planted in a strategic place. And I think that's a good reminder for all of us. We've been placed in Shelby and Boiling Springs and wherever it is you live to be a, a, a tree that is putting forth good fruit, placed by the streams of water, the Bible says. And, and again, God hasn't, or you haven't placed yourself there. I believe God's placed you there to be a light, to be a, 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 a place where you impact lives. Uh, uh, the writer of Acts says this, he has determined the time set before us and the exact places where we should live. Acts 17, verse 26. He's placed you there. He, he's put you there. You're, you're, you're planted strategically. And, and I encourage you to not give up as you live out life. In Galatians 6, verses 9 and 10, a, a reference to help us with this, it says this, don't grow weary in doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Do you get that there? Don't give up. You know, and I, I like to tell people we're part of a connect group that has a bunch of young couples in there. Stay married. <laughs> Don't grow weary. <laughs> the old boy needs you. You know, it's good to stay committed. Don't lose heart. In every opportunity you have, do good. And then those in the body, the household of faith, really do good to them. So I remind us of that because we got to be careful as we do life, as we uh, let God's Word permeate our lives, that we attain a productive life as a result of living out truth. Be a tree 
that's planted in the right place. The godless person. And we see that person in verses 4 through 6. Um, and, and what I take, first of all, from this is don't be impressed by the counsel of the ungodly. Uh, don't let them flatter you with their words, with their lifestyles. Now, the godless person, as we think of this person in verses 4 through 6, they're, they're, they're driven. Now, I say that, but I say it in a negative context. They're, this idea of being driven is, is not a good thing. In fact, the Bible says that they're like chaff, which the wind drives away. They're, that un, ungodly person is driven in a way that there's no direction in their life. They, they swing at every pitch. They're, there's nothing in their life that, that has any stability, any substance. And, and, and what the author gives us here is, is a picture, another word picture. And they're described as chaff. Now, I, I'm not a farmer. Uh, I, I, as I said, I, I grew up always with neighbors. I've always been thankful for for neighbors. In fact, I've got real good neighbors right now. Chris Green just lives up the street, and he has everything I need. So I just go up there and borrow it from him. <laughs> I don't even know where he keeps his keys. Uh, he doesn't even lock his truck. So if you want to steal a truck, it's right there. Well, I probably shouldn't tell you where his keys are. Uh, but, but I'm thankful for, ha for having good neighbors and just, <laughs> I don't know why I'm even telling you that. But Oh, I'm a city boy. I'm a, I, I, I never, but, but, but I was never a farmer. But, the, but this is what I understand. Uh, for the farmer... That, that idea of shaft, there's the kernel, or the, the corn, the grain, that's the good part, okay? And then there's the straw, and that's maybe of some value, but then there's the shaft that has no value. So the farmer would, 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 would throw the grain, the shaft in the air, the wind would blow the shaft away, and the grain would fall back to the threshing floor. And, and, and that's the word picture for us, that, that the, the shaft just blows away. And that's how the Solomon is, or the Solomon is describing this person. Their, their destiny, no value. They're doomed. They're doomed. Verse 5 tells us that. Again, this is the person that never has put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus. And it says this, The ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. They're, they're, they're not going to be rewarded. They may have been impressive, as we said. Their, their worldly perspective, you know, they've, they've gained lots of possibly wealth and, and stuff and, and popularity, but it's all been done in vain. The, it, it blows away. And I, I, I remind us of a passage in Revelation. And it says this in Revelation 20, verses 11 through 15. This, this isn't the complete passage, but the part I, I want you to get comes up on the screen. It says this, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, and I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and the books were open. And there's another book opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. And they were judged, each one according by his works. And then here's the, the part I want us to get. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. This, friends, is that hopeless person, that helpless person that we see in verses 4 through 6. This, this person experiences the final chapter in verse 6. 
The Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. That's their final chapter. Now, as we've looked at this, we've seen the difference of the godly person and the godless person. And there's a choice to be made. Being a godly person or a godless person, which have you decided this morning? As a godly person, you've made a decision, a specific time in your life to follow the Lord. You know, I, I made reference earlier to, to my father. You know, he was uh, uh, a man who was uh, 52 when he died, and he died of cancer. And I, he's a big man, probably 190 pounds, and he died at 95 pounds. And cancer just ate his body. But, but what, I, what I remember was, I remember uh, it was in August 1977. I was 16 years old. My brother-in-law, we, my mom said, well, I just need to take him to the hospital. You know, he wanted to be at home toward the end. He goes, I just can't deal with this anymore. I just need some help. So, so I remember we shaved him up and we, uh, we uh, got him in the car. And before he left, he, he, uh, he reached for his Bible. And I remember him reaching for God's word. That's what he wanted to take to the hospital. And I remember I said to him, the last thing I said to him was, I'll see you tomorrow. And uh, I tell you that because that crisis in our home, in our family, that's what gave me a desire to want Jesus, to want what he had. And, and again, it was a, a tough season in our life, but it was during that time that I gave my life to Christ. I, I decided on the first three verses, even though I wasn't thinking of that at the time, but that's when I sought to be a godly man. And what happened was this, and this is in your handouts, I, I recognized, I admitted that I'm a sinner. And that's the first step for all of us. We must admit that we're sinners. For all have sinned, the Bible says, and fallen short of the glory of God. Have you come to a season where you've admitted that you're a sinner? And then it involves believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. In Romans 5, 8, it says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, do you remember a time where you've said, okay, God, I believe that your way is the only way. I, I want to follow you. I want to rep I'm repenting of my sins. I'm turning to you. And that's that third step. We call on the Lord. Call on the name of the Lord. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Have you called on him today? Have you admitted that you're a sinner? Have you believed in the Lord Jesus? Have you called on him? That is your way to eternity. That is your way to impacting lives. So I remind you again before we pray of these first three verses, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And then it says this, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the truths of your word. Thank you for these psalms that carry us through tough times, give us encouragement, give us hope. Thank you, Lord, that you put the psalms in, in the Bible, Lord, that we can hold on to these truths, Lord, to, to equip us, to strengthen us, to help us impact those that are around us, Father. And I just pray that each of us would realize, Lord, we, we have a great opportunity to put on Jesus, to live out Christ. 
And may that be our desire today, Lord, to live out Christ. Help us realize, Lord, that the, the, the hopeless man is, is not the right path. Help us realize, Lord, by, by being close to you, by being committed to you, by calling on you, we can have eternal life. Thank you for lessons you teach us. Thank you for this church. Thank you for opportunities we have, Lord, to open your word, to sing your word, to be about your business. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.